0: And the man is a certified financial planner. You can count those in the country on one hand, I reckon. Uh, Paul Roloff, sir, very good afternoon to you. Hi there,
1: know, Great to chat to you again.
0: Great to chat to you too, Squire. Now, we are going to be talking about the things that we should know about life insurance. Pray tell.
1: Hmm. Well, it's certainly it's starting off a series which I'm going to kind of line up for us in terms of a master class of all the products that are available and probably – used a lot but not that well understood Mm. and life insurance is probably rank and file number one it's probably the most complicated one of all the products that are available because it comes with so many t's and c's um there are exclusions that you need to understand how much life life assurance should I have? What does it do in the event of a life changing event? How does it work? Yep. So, so I thought we'd kick off with it first of all and and just get to understand how uh, life insurance is positioned in a sound financial plan and the main The main thing you know is that it provides for capital when you don't have it yep um so you know if you don't have enough money to pay off your bond, should you die or become disabled. Um, the quickest and the most cost-effective way to, to solve that problem in a financial plan is to take out a life insurance policy. Um, yeah. And when one works out the premium or the contribution to that policy relative to the peace of mind that you're going to get ultimately that should you know, a life-changing event happen, you die, your family at least has the roof covered over their head, paid for, and that should buy you a lot of financial security for the dependents as well. So life insurance is there again It's it's a very valuable side of financial planning In that it's a small contribution For in case a life changing event happens And it's a large outlay Um, The principle comes back from many years ago It's it's, it's the same sort of insurance principle Where we all contribute to this risk pool And the bulk of the people inside the risk pool Don't have those life changing events But we take out the cover just in case we do and effectively, what happens is those that claim from the risk pool um, are being subsidized by those that don't claim. So it's, it's all about insurance at the end of the day, but understanding that it certainly is a starting point in a good financial plan.
0: Yeah, but I mean, who needs to be asking which questions when? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. You know, I mean, I, I think the thing is. I mean, you'll be, you'll be, you know. Well, uh, how does it actually work? Is it better to take that life insurance out earlier? Some people go, you know, I'm young, 25. Mm. I'm not going to die. Okay, COVID sorted that out for us. But, nice, nice. um, yeah. But 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 where does one start? Who needs to start? Where you know, where does this? How long is a piece of string? But where does the string start in the first place?
1: Well, obviously, if you, you, the need for life insurance basically looks at your circumstances. If you have large debts or any form of debt, actually, and I talk about a car, outstanding uh, bond, uh, you know, and dependency as well, uh, life insurance is on the table in first, in, in terms of consideration. Now, there is this story of a, a fact that life insurance, the older you get, the more you pay for it. And um, I'll be the first to tell us that uh, life insurance is very expensive if nothing ever happens. So it's that kind of purchase where you, 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 all you're really buying initially is peace of mind, and when to start is basically depends on your dependency. If you've got dependents that are dependent on your income that you, you know, that you look after during the the course of the month, in terms of monthly expenses and their future, their education. If you've got young children. Um if you've just bought a house and there's a bond outstanding, well all of those point to the need mm. for life insurance so the sooner you've, you 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 realise that and get involved, obviously the better the cheaper it is cheaper when you are younger but the what doesn't go away is that if nothing really happens you've paid for for something you know which when you look backwards, you could start saying, "Well, gee, I could have used that money for other things as well, so you're paying purely for the the peace of mind that if anything does happen i and my my children and my assets are protected from this cover
0: yeah uh, it's 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 a difficult one hey i mean listen i've been paying life cover i know it is it is one of those things that you think about only once you are in or potentially in a lot of trouble. And a lot of people would have gone through COVID, for example, et cetera, et cetera, and then gone, oh, have I got all my things in place? And I reckon we shouldn't be leaving it up until then. I think you need to do that assessment that Paul was talking about, talk about what is outstanding um, and who's going to be left to carry the can once something happens to you. Um, and, and that's important. You want to leave it on your wife. You want your wife and your four-year-old to be sleeping out at them at their mother's place or out in the street because you can't. Uh, you can no longer afford it, and they're going to have to wrap up your estate. Um, you know, maybe your husband isn't working and you're the breadwinner, and now all of a sudden your husband has to now find ways of looking after the children. Or you could have a dependent. Um, such as an elderly parent that you're looking after, same parent that's raised you and brought you to where you are. These are all eventualities that we all need to consider, and rather sooner than later is what you're saying.
1: Oh, no, certainly. And uh, you've outlined some very good practical points too. I mean, all those areas, life insurance has a very critical place to play. But I do think that there comes a stage in an ideal uh, sound financial plan. As you get older you mature a bit more, your assets start to grow. Um, I believe that you should start looking at revising your life insurance and start weaning yourself off. Because if you do get into a fortune situation where you've got enough capital to take care of a life-changing event, well, then one would question, why why have a life insurance policy on top of that? Um, I know insurance companies would have you believe that you need life insurance for the whole of your life. But I, I do think that there is, in certain circumstances, a case for once the house is paid for, once the children are off your payroll. And you know they're on their own pathway to financial independence. They don't need you that much more. Um, the amount of life cover certainly can be considered in terms of of bringing it yes. back to it. So it, it's it's a kind of journey that covers you when you're most vulnerable, and it's probably in your younger uh, years when you're building up your wealth. Um, but when it gets to the other side of the life cycle, you probably find that the need for life cover is that least.
0: Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's it's, it's important to do that. And um, I, I mean, we mustn't confuse life cover, of course, with insurance <laughs> of your house. I mean, that's the one yeah. thing you need to keep. And we will know with fires, et cetera. I mean, that nice in the story is very sad. You know, sure, a, a, a lot of people, there's nothing to do with life cover now, but um, a lot of people ended up – I just want to put it, um, regretting the fact that they decided to stop that type of insurance. Life cover, another story. I mean, if you happen to fall into a billion rand, who needs life cover? You've got enough to go around as long as you have a will. But I think for most of us, we're trying to make ends meet, and if we can make 10% of a billion, we'd be very happy, wouldn't we? Or even 0.1% of a billion, we'd be very happy. Very much.
1: Well, no, that's a lot of zeros. And uh, you know, any percentage of a billion is probably a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but but your point, you made a very good point around the, the insurance you know. Um, mm. you know, What is insurance ultimately? It's really just um, in case something happens. You know? And unfortunately, I think in the, the pandemic stage and when people are really on the back foot in terms of their financial uh, resources, uh, what tends to go is the insurance policies. And um, I think that's a lesson we've heard, we learned very harshly through the pandemic because uh, I personally have come across a few clients who gave up their life insurance during the pandemic, not seeing a benefit, thinking, well, that's the way to save some money. Um, and yet, in hindsight, in those, those cases, it was, should have been the measure of last resort.
2: Mm.
1: So be very, very careful when you give up your life insurance um, and any other form of insurance for that matter because, you know, Murphy's Law applies, doesn't it? As soon as you're in that vulnerable stage, it's probably the time that the life-changing event occurs but it's it's an integral part and um, you put yourself at a lot of risk. You're very vulnerable without any form of insurance and uh, it's, a, it's a, a trade-off, you know, whether I give up a few meals on, in, on my entertainment bill um, and keep the policy or do I go the other way and say, well, forego the policy, take the risk, um, and then you know, still keep up my other things in my in my monthly expenses. So it is a very important decision, and I would always urge to you know, stay on the side of caution. Even if you can't afford the whole cover, you know, have some cover at least that brings it into the affordability area where you know your monthly expenses can still be met. But be very, very careful.
0: No, indeed, no, indeed. But what, and and this also the reality of COVID nineteen, right? You have people living in, um, working at least in the tourism sector, and balance sheets what existed before March last year, by and large, unless you're a big company, uh, totally destroyed in terms of assets. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. people would have depleted all their cash; they would have turned those into liabilities, lots of debt. Um, and now they need to make personal decisions about what to drop. There's short-term insurance. There's life insurance. There's medical aid. Now, we know medical aid in and of itself um, costs you, you know, if you've got a family of four, you could bond a 1.2 million rand apartment on what the medical aides charge you for that. So you're looking at about... Between eight and and and, and ten thousand rand, if you want to do full medical aid. So, where do people go, Paul, when they find themselves in this particular situation? And it's it's almost like choosing between drowning and death by fire.
1: Well, yeah, that's a very tricky one. You know, you've got to then pin down what is more likely to occur first and foremost. Yeah. You know, med- medical aid, for example, it, it's quite a scary thought that, uh, you know, you have a triple bypass today. You probably have to put your house up, mm. you know, to, 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 co- to cover the costs. Yeah. So the cost of medical aid is a huge, huge risk on our doorsteps. I
0: mean, you could go to a public hospital, um, you know, and, and if you've got, sure. if you've got kids, Red, Cor- Red Cross Children's Hospital is one of the best ones on the continent. So mm-hmm. there are outlets – but some would say the best care will be found in the private space.
1: Well, I think that's arguable. And I think certainly in most cases it's quite mm. practical to think that a private health care system is mm. going to offer you a lot more attention than, than the, 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 the public sectors. But uh, but yes, that, that's a very valid point. and and look, you're not left stranded if you don't have a medical aid. There is a plan. But then you've got to forego the, the standards and the risks as well of, of you know, falling into that system because we know that we're not really up to speed there. So, But the cost of medical aid has to be considered. And I think there, there lies another solution perhaps is to have a look at your actual plan that you're on. Uh, come to terms with maybe a more basic plan that at least gives you access to hospitals. Um, mm. But Maybe a little bit more savvy around how I spend my out-of-hospital expenses, So you know, let's, um, let's, over-the-counter things, yeah.
0: Let's, let's talk about that for a bit because I mm. think this is an important one. A lot of sure. people sort of frown on others who want to go into hospital plans. And, I mean, hospital plans still going to set you back for a family of four. You're still going to be paying 4K or whatever, maybe about half the price. I don't know. Um, I'm just now assuming I've always been on on full medical aid. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, time comes when you've got to look at this and go, well, do I really need full care? I mean, my business partner, for example, saying, why should I pay medical aid? If I can just put the money that I have, that I pay them on a uh, regular basis, just put that in the bank and use that for my out-of-hospital and then just take a hospital plan. So if something happens to me, I get covert, I need to be hospitalized, there's a hospital plan that pays for that. Um, I'd probably save money instead of putting money in, um, you know, some some medical aids savings scheme.
1: Well, if you if you understand that that's the plan, and you come to terms with the fact that whenever there's an out-of-hospital expense, I'm going to be responsible for it, um, and you make a plan around that, then I think that that certainly has some merit. Um, what I wouldn't entertain in any instance is foregoing access to hospitals. So yep. most medical aid plans have two sides to them. One has a, a hospital side where it gives you the access to it. And incidentally, most hospitals charge 100%. Very few charge more than that. So the hospital cover that is on offer with some of the plans, like these comprehensive ones, which give you 200, and there's some that go 300%. What they're aiming for is really covering the surgeon and the specialist and the anesthetist who charge way outside that 100% mm. scale. So the only vulnerability you've got really there is their differential um, in the bill. But the mm. actual hospital bill generally is about 100% anyway. It's, it's a, an agreed amount. Yeah. So if you've got a general hospital plan, you know that most of the bills are going to be covered in the event of you going to hospital. Mm. And then, like you say, self-insure the rest of it by saving the the difference in the premium now that you've you've turned back on. Put that away in your bond. Put that away in a savings account and then self-insure. But it's an understanding that that's the plan. You can't set up that plan and then be disappointed (laughs) with it because it's not comprehensive when you really need it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean the, the, the bottom line is I need to go to hospital I need to save my life. I need to save my wife's life, my son's life, whatever. They go to hospital, they get the treatment. Um, and then, of course, yes, but then you can get a gap cover. Right. To cover any of the differentials as well. Yes, you, you, you can. And you yeah. do some sums
1: around those two premiums and just see if you can kind of meet something a little bit more uh, you know, affordable. Yes. And I think that's really what we're aiming for. We're trying to say, well, let's not – Take away the risk. We obviously limit the risk, but make sure the big bills are taken care of. And uh, it's quite a nice combination to have a top-up plan, you know, a, a gap cover with with a, a hospital-type plan. It's going to buy you a lot of peace of mind that you're not generally going to be short in a in a hospital event. But outside hospital, well, that's how you're going to have to navigate your own bills. And if you are prepared to do that, you know, there are a lot of generics. There's a lot of over-the-counter medicines that you can actually entertain as well. So if you're prepared to manage that, incidentally, I might just add that when you look at the savings account in in a medical aid plan, generally that's your own money anyway. Exactly. All it is, is, it's it's an advance for the year and divided by 12. And if you take that away, uh, that's the difference in the premium. So your contribution to the savings account is actually your money anyway.
0: Well, exactly. And if you run out of hospital, you run out of hospital. Uh, Paul Rulov, sir, certified financial planner. We'll go to Linda, who's waited. So let's go to Linda first, then we'll go and take a break. Hi, Linda. A very good morning to you.
2: Hi there, Keena. Morning to you and morning, morning to Paul. Um, Hi, Linda. I would just like to ask you a question. Um, my partner and I, we're, we're not married. We've been together 28 years, though. Mm. and um, we both have life policies um, ceded to each other. You know, um, we've had them going for quite some time. Mm. And uh, happy to say that, you know, our bond is paid, our cars are paid. We don't really have much debt at all except the usual stuff. And um, it's just rolling over, and uh, obviously, um, you know, if anything happens to me, um, he inherits my life policy, and likewise. I just wondered if that was, you know, what you thought of that. We are paying quite a bit of money for it, but it's mm. important, I think.
1: Well, Linda, thanks for the question, and it's a very practical one. Again, you're in that stage of life that we were talking about earlier on where yeah. the need for life insurance is that much less. I wouldn't forego it too quickly, though, because I think no. you need to take a nice informed decision around how much it provides relative to what you actually need. Yeah. And yeah. A, a very broad brush around it is to have a look at the debt that you have. If you don't have debt, well, that Mm-mm. takes away a huge need. And um, then look at the dependency on each other um, in terms of income needs. Yes, uh, if yes. if one should he,
2: pass, he, ha-
1: how much do you, how would the surviving spouse be affected by that?
2: Well, mm. he's the one that still works now. He's quite a bit younger than me, and we did this mm-hmm. because of that fact. You know, I, I well, yes. not to say that I'm going to go before him. You never know. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's just the two of us. So he's got something for me and I've got something for him when either sure. of us pop off. <laughs> 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 that's a, that's a, that's I love the way you say it. That's a
1: good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so it's just security
2: for both money. of <laughs> us, you know, either way. A I understand, a, yes. Bit of a nice thing to have, I would say. Well,
0: if you can afford what? to pay it, Linda, Yeah, and you don't mind doing it and you know that your partner who you love, um, you know, is going to benefit from it Will be able to live a, a happy life Have a smile No, you won't have a smile on his face when you're gone No, but never is, is is able to <laughs> but, but is able to, to, to Utilise that money to his benefit Then why yeah. not
2: Yeah, I always absolutely, say absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I'm not, I can't say that we're happy about paying all that money But you know, at the end of the day It it, it works out for both of us, I suppose
0: Absolutely No, no, I think, mm-hmm. listen I think you've answered your own question
2: Okay, thank you Have a lovely day
0: <laughs> <laughs> Linda and Peniel Let's go to uh, James, James in Simonstown. Hi, James. Good
1: morning, Kino. Uh, it's very important for second wives to know that their husband better have a good life insurance policy because pensions don't usually go to second wives uh, unless you've made a special arrangement.
0: Yeah, and when you have your life policy, make sure your first wife is taken off it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good point. <laughs> or husband? Oh wait, hold on. Before I get accused of being sexist, um, or your 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 first husband is taken off it, right? <laughs> yes. So we have to be equal opportunity offenders here. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, James, okay. I think I think a good point. <laughs> no, I, I
1: I once met a lady um, who was in exactly that position. Um, her husband was in finance, but he hasn't made an arrangement. Her being a second wife, and when he died, he had a pitiful life insurance, and he expected to get by on the rent from a small flat in in the um, wilderness.
0: Listen, I can think of worse places to, to to get by in a small flat, but no, fair fair enough. <laughs> yeah, um, she, she she had a flat for income, a small flat for income. That was all that was left. Her
1: life insurance was something like about seven hundred thousand. She'd know. get through that in no time.
0: Ah, seven hundred thousand, yo. Depending on, on your life, I mean, it'll last you a year maybe if you're lucky, Um, yeah. you know. But, um, but very interesting indeed, James. I'm going to see what Paul says about that. Paul?
1: Well, you, you've brought up a very important point. Um, you know, especially in divorce, divorces, um, it's c- quite common to see that the beneficiaries weren't attended to. And the life insurance policy will always pay outside the estate to the nominated beneficiary. Um, the, when it comes to pension funds Then it's a different form um, We've got to look at uh, dependency um, it's, Although you nominate A specific beneficiary on a retirement Annuity fund and or a pension provident Fund, it's not necessarily That, benefic- that beneficiary who will get the, mo- the proceeds The trustees have to look at all other people That may so, have been dependent as well So, But life insurance pays out directly To mm. the beneficiary and if you have Divorced and you've left the ex- um, I think it's going to leave the new the new partner pretty pretty uh, upset that uh, you know they, they're not going to get the money, um, but uh, but that is a very practical point and just a quick one on d- divorce too. If you are up for maintenance uh, from your ex, uh, a life insurance policy uh, would be a very effective way of ensuring that should he pass, the maintenance can still be yeah, um, provided. Oh my
0: word, Paul! Hi, Kina. What about the mistress from Ahmed? <laughs> No, <laughs> you can't listen. You are you can if you want to take out a life, or or, or what do you call the, 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 the guy, the mistress? Um, what is the guy? I don't know what they call the guy, but anyway, um, I have to balance things out here. I mean, you can pretty much put anybody on your life insurance policy, um, that is your call. Uh, but I hope your wife doesn't phone me and ask um, for your number so that she can check it was actually you. <laughs> Lucky, there's a poppy act, um, and then life insurance not paying out things like suicide. Well, look, normally
1: there's a, a two year exclusion clause with life insurance um, for suicide, um, and once you pass that stage, it's a general practice that uh, you know it won't be applied. So you can commit suicide and claim thereafter, but the two years rule is a general rule in in the industry. And be very careful because a lot of people are changing life insurance to other products, yeah. um, which are maybe a bit cheaper. Um, but you are then going to set yourself up to be that, in that vulnerable space for two years. Um, yeah. And look out for other exclusion clauses too. You know, if you do willful damage to yourself, et cetera, et cetera, um, there are exclusion clauses in some life insurance policies, which you must be very, very aware of. Maybe we can unpack those and other ancillary benefits in a, in a future show as
0: well. Without a doubt, Paul. But that leaves us uh, to a smiling Regent Thor because he expects me to do his news on time. But always a pleasure chatting to you, sir Paul Rulofs, a certified financial planner, Invest for Life. go check it out.